passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on June 14th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. No Chris Towers this week as he is on vacation, a well-deserved vacation. I saw that he was uh, hanging out with his doppelganger, Luis Guillorme, at City Field on Sunday. So hope you had a great time at the game, Chris. You got to see Chris Paddock dominate, something that we will talk about a little bit later on. Today on the show, we're going to recap the weekend, of course. Spin rates continued to drop for some of the bigger name starting pitchers. Most added, most dropped players. Waiver wire ads, what do we do with these guys? I have a group of starting pitchers that... Just don't really know what to do. Blake Snell, I was at the game on Friday. I don't really know what to do with that guy. He's not very good right now. What is up, Scott? How was your weekend? I see you got new couches. New couches. Yeah, <laughs> they're in. They're beautiful. They're new. They're nice. They're not comfortable yet. They need to be broken in. But, you know, the old ones were more comfortable. But, but these will get there. They'll get there. I keep reassuring my wife. They will get there. They will get um, there indeed. They will get there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's, that was pretty much the highlight of the weekend, I would say. What about you, Frank? Oh, it was a very eventful weekend. I had, I went to my cousin's graduation on Saturday, so that was a lot of fun. And on Friday night, I went to go see Jacob DeGrom pitch, and unfortunately, he had to leave that game, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But, Scott, he is, I mean, to see Jacob DeGrom pitch live in person, it was ridiculous. And it was like the first game where the Mets had this huge live crowd in attendance was like 23,000 people sold out. Well, sold out as far as they can go to this point, but it was crazy. It was a raucous crowd uh, and he was really, really fun to watch pitch. So uh, he's, he's quite good and we can talk about it, but uh, let's jump right in some, oh my goodness gracious standouts from the weekend. Oh my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott, where would you like to start? I would like to start in the same place I started so many of my drafts mm. with the Biebs, Shane Bieber. Biebs. Shane Bieber had his worst start in a couple years. Against the Mariners of all teams, you expected him to throw a no-hitter, considering he was facing the Mariners, and instead he threw a multi-hitter. Wasn't pretty. He gave up 10 hits, to be specific. He's been giving up a lot of hits all year, but... What really stood out about this particular start for Shane Bieber is that the spin rate on his curveball was down nearly 300 RPM. It was down nearly 200 RPM in his last start, for what it's worth. His last start was a good one. He had, he had had, I think, pretty much all good starts in June up until this one. But we're seeing uh, we're we're seeing what's a, what's afflicting many pitchers across the league, uh, impacting Shane Bieber's. You know, one of his one of his top pitches there in the curveball. And really, I mean, the spin rate was down across the board. It was just, it really stood out on that curveball specifically. You know, I don't know if that's the reason why he had his worst start in two years. It's notable considering that he did have his worst start in two years. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to make of it other than just pointing it out. It obviously raises the old eyebrow. And makes you wonder uh, what happens next for Shane Bieber, as we've been wondering for many a pitcher in light of these new developments. And uh, yeah, I mean, am I that worried? No, 
but my worry is above zero, I would say. You know, 2019, you know, I say his worst start in two years. 2019 was that year. It, that was that was his breakout year. That was, you know, he was performed like a second rounder, basically. And he didn't throw the curveball as much that year. He was more, he leaned more on the slider. And maybe he could go back to that if if the curveball becomes an issue for him, uh, if the RPM stay down on it. So, you know, there, there's a lot of weapons for him to work with, which is a big reason why I'm not worried. But, you know, I, I am I am not confident saying Bieber will for sure be a top five pitcher the rest of the way. Certainly there's a chance. I do feel confident saying he'll be a top 10 pitcher the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely fair to say. And even after this start, a 3.28 ERA, very respectable, but hasn't lived up to the expectations, specifically in the whip department. 1.25 whip on the season. We know that he has struggled with control this year, which is something Shane Bieber doesn't usually have issues with. So the walks are up, and in conjunction with his BABIP, his batting average on balls in play, is currently at 337 after this start. Last year, that number was 267. In his breakout 2019, it was 296. So he more hits are dropping in. The walks are up. That's how we get the whip to where it is. You mentioned the RPM on his curveball. The RPM on his slider was down 157 as well. So I don't know if it's just coincidence, whatever it might be, but between Bieber Garrett Cole the past couple of weeks. And then also this weekend, Scott, Trevor Bauer goes out, has a terrible start against the Texas Rangers of all teams. He gives up six runs, four of those were earned, and his four-seam spin rate was down 166 RPM. His cutter was down 123. Same thing with Corbin Burns, who <laughs> going up against yeah. the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's, it was just weird to see his final line. Four innings, nine hits, four runs, three of those were earned. He still had eight strikeouts, yeah. but his cutter, which is his best pitch and something he uses over 50% of the time, was down 163 RPM. So it's now we yeah. have Bauer and Burns and Bieber and Garrett Cole, four of the top 10 starting pitchers in fantasy baseball with spin rates consistently down. And again, I don't want to set, I don't want to use this as a cop out, but we just don't really know. We still like, Okay, these are the first time that we've seen spin rates down and and pitchers actually struggle with them. So maybe we will see more performances like this. But I, like you, I still think Shane Bieber is a top ten starting pitcher. Trevor Bauer, a little more concerning there, and and especially with Corbin Burns too, because this was his breakout season. So I don't know if there's anything you specifically want to add on those two, Scott. But those were the other big names along with Bieber that I that I noticed this had yeah, the same it, issue. It's hard to know what to make of it, but it is. Notable that three of the best pitchers in baseball this year, Bauer, Bieber, and Burns, each had their worst start of the season against one of the worst offenses in baseball uh, in the same weekend and uh, saw a big drop in uh, in spin rate. Now, with Burns, part of part of this, you know, this is what complicates it is a sample of one is too small of a sample to deduce anything, of course. And that's what we're talking about for the most part, I guess in Bauer's case, it's a sample of two, still pretty small. But Burns's spin rate on his cutter was down in his previous start too, by about the same amount that it was in this latest start. And that was his best start of the season. You know, he had 13 mm-hmm. strikeouts in that start. So, you know, the spin rate's been way down on his best pitch two starts in a row. One was his best start of the season. One was his worst. You know, that that makes it even harder to know what to make of it. You know, maybe consistency is what ends up being lost more than anything else. Uh, certainly, you know what what stood out to me in this this start for Burns was he issued three walks. He had issued only seven walks all season, and of course, control had been an issue for him before, and th- and that certainly speaks to a consistency issue. So, you know, I I just think we need to see more. I think we need to see more, but it's clearly something that's worth monitoring, and. Um, it could change the value of some of these pitchers. As I said last week, I, I don't think it'll be more than a handful that it changes their value in terms of moving them from one extreme to another. Oh my goodness gracious for me here, Scott. Logan Gilbert, who was opposing Shane Bieber on Sunday, and he was very good now for two straight starts. And in this one, six and two-thirds, one earned, one walk. Uh, six strikeouts, 19 swinging strikes 
for Logan Gilbert on 92 pitches. He had 10 on the four-seam fastball. This is now back-to-back starts with 18-plus swinging strikes. He is 56% rostered, and he faces the Tampa Bay Rays this week. Scott, is Logan Gilbert a must-add after these two starts? Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, going from 20 swinging strikes in one start to 19 in this start. And... um each like he's still hardly throwing his changeup, but it was a little more each time. He got up to eight changeups thrown in this start Sunday, and four of them were swings and misses. You know, so just that extra extra look on that third pitch may help may help his arsenal fill out and uh, and help him start to live up to his potential. So really encouraging stuff from Gilbert the past two outings, and his spin rates have been fine. <laughs> I guess it's worth notice, uh, noting that as well. Some of the most every pitcher it's worth noting from now yeah. on. <laughs> we don't we don't have a choice, right? We've got to monitor these things and, and see what's going on here. Uh, but Logan Gilbert has been very good over his last two starts. Some of the most dropped starting pitchers. I was going to get to these a little bit later on, but let's just see which ones we would be willing to drop for Logan Gilbert. Vince Velasquez. That's fine. He's one of the most dropped starting pitchers, which is weird because he actually had a decent start over the weekend. But I'm fine with it. Obviously, David Price. Sure, could drop him. Uh, Jamison Tyone, well, we said you could drop him last week, and then he goes out and he couldn't escape the first inning against the Phillies, so uh, don't have an issue with that one either. Chris Bubich, John Gant, Garrett Richards, fine. I think, right, Scott? Garrett Richards, we're okay dropping him for Logan Gilbert, right? Yeah. The, yeah, all these pitchers seem fine to me. The last two on the list I found interesting because they're currently in the bullpen for their respective teams, but have flashed upside. Obviously, Jesus Lazardo has... Prospect pedigree and Christian Javier. He was he had some good starts earlier in the season, but now he's both of them are in the bullpen. So, would you be okay dropping either one of those for Logan Gilbert? I'm warming up to the idea of maybe dropping Luzardo in a in a in a league, obviously where you need a spot. Don't just drop him to drop him because obviously there's a lot of upside. He could rejoin the rotation at some point, but his ERA is over six now. You know, he hasn't been good since coming off the IL and joining the bullpen. And it makes you wonder how much you should care about him rejoining the rotation, really. Javier's dominated. And, you know, mostly in like four-inning stints. Kind of uh, kind of had a, a piggyback role with Odorizzi, I think. I think it is. Yes. That that, he's, he's kind of teamed up with. Yep. And now Lance McCullers is coming off the IL. And uh, he's going to... Odorizzi is going to come out of the bullpen following him on Tuesday. And then the Astros are planning to go six-man, is my understanding. So, you know, Javier continues to dominate in, as, a, as a long reliever. And I think there's a good chance he winds up in the rotation soon enough. And, and you'll, you'll be glad you, hold, you held on to him if, if he does. So would you rather hold Javier or pick up Logan Gilbert if you if that was your only option? I'd rather hold Javier. Okay. I'm kind of on the fence, Luzardo versus Logan Gilbert. Certainly, if you need help right now, Gilbert's the, the better option. Alrighty. Before we get to the news and notes, just want to remind everyone to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you to those who are watching us live right now. It's 1225 a.m. Eastern Time. And uh, yeah. If you haven't subscribed yet to our YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. Hit that big red subscribe button. Click the notification bell. You will get notifi- notified every time we go live or we drop a video. So not only the full length podcast that we do here live every single night, but our FBT in five, which is our five minute podcast. We put those videos on our YouTube channel as well. Make sure to check it out. YouTube.com slash fantasy baseball today. News and notes from the weekend. Jacob deGrom was Awesome on Friday. Six shutout. Telling you, guy is absolutely electric. One hit, 10 strikeouts, zero walks. However, he left that start on Friday with flexor tendonitis in his right elbow. He checked out fine after playing catch over the weekend and is in line to make his start this week. But Scott, this is scary, man, because now not only have we dealt with oblique injuries with DeGrom, he is dealing with an elbow injury. And I mean, anytime someone who averages like 100 miles per hour on their fastball, you know, obviously raises red flags. So he's got the weirdest body. (laughs) That's what I would say about Jacob deGrom, because, man, how many times over the past three, four years has he done this left with an injury that, uh, you know, caused everybody to worry? Like, is this going to be a lengthy IL stint? And then he's back throwing the next day. He doesn't miss a turn. You know, it's... 
it's weird. The whole thing is just weird. It keeps you constantly on edge if you're the person who has DeGrom. It's, you know, somebody was calling us, on, us out on Twitter last week for still having Garrett Cole ahead of DeGrom in our rest of season rankings. And okay, fine. I, I moved DeGrom ahead, but it's not that easy a call because not that easy of a call because DeGrom, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop with them. It's weird. Between DeGrom and the rest of the elite starting pitchers right now, because even if I wanted to say, okay, do you shop DeGrom because you're worried about these injuries, see what you could get for him, but there's risk factors with all the starting pitchers right now as we continue to highlight. Yeah, not all of them, obviously. I'm I'm putting everyone in the same basket, which I should not be doing, but ultimately it's we, we do have some concerns there between DeGrom and, and other elite starting pitchers. So, Scott, would you try and shop him right DeGrom? now? DeGrom? No. no. Yes. All right. No. Let's see no. what happens. There's too much uncertainty at starting pitcher right now to be shopping the best. Uh, Mike Trout is expected to have a clearer return timeline once he's cleared to resume jogging in the coming days. Steven Strasburg is scheduled to meet with a specialist soon before the Nationals determine the next step in his recovery from nerve irritation. Max Muncy was placed on the IL with a right oblique strain. Shohei Otani now has outfield eligibility. Whoa, on CBS, which is awesome. Scott, I was updating some outfield ranks on Sunday because Otani is now in them. And where should he rank among the outfielders, the elite outfielders? I moved him up to... I got a refresher here. But he was inside my top 10 for both headset points. and. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it looks like you have him sixth in Roto behind... Harper and behind Whit Merrifield. I don't know about that one, Frank. Yeah, but I would say I, I would have him sixth. I would, I would have him behind Harper as you do. I would also have him behind JD Martinez, which you don't. Um, and then the top three for us both are in some order: Acuna, Soto, and Betts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tani's right there. I, I would say if we were redrafting today, rest of season, he'd be a second round pick for me. So that's. That's where this puts him. All right. Yeah. I have him eighth in headset points and I have him sixth in Roto, but that is very fun that we can now play him in the outfield on CBS. And I believe it's 10 games on ESPN. So you got a little bit of a ways to go there. uh, If you do play on ESPN, Uh, Scott, where should you play him this week? Should you play him as a starting pitcher or as a hitter? Uh, he was he was fine this weekend. Five innings, two runs, eight strikeouts. His last five starts, he's actually been very good. 3.14 ERA, 1.05 whip, and he's going up against the Tigers, so it's a great matchup, but he has seven games this week versus AL opponents, so he should be in the lineup at least six of those, I would imagine. Yeah. No, still hit, still is a hitter. Okay. I don't know why we'd stray from that. Actually, the last two weeks, the Angels would play a series in the NL, so he was... He was not as available to to bat the past two weeks. Uh, but that, you know, they're back back to all AL opponents this week, as you said. Yeah, I actually started him as a pitcher for the first time all season last week because mm. of that reason, that he wasn't playing over the weekend. They were in, I believe it was Arizona. So, yeah, he wasn't in the lineup those games. Uh, Zach Gallen, speaking of Arizona, is, of course, dealing with a sprained UCL. He threw 46 pitches over two and two-thirds in a simulated game on Saturday. The D-backs are hopeful that he can return by the end of June. Trent Grisham and Mike Yastrzemski were reinstated for their respective teams on Saturday. Luis Severino exited his rehab start on Saturday with a right leg injury, so... Once we know more there, we'll we'll keep you updated on Luis Severino. Corey Seager is about two weeks away from beginning a rehab assignment with the Dodgers. And I'm going to highlight a few players who are currently day-to-day. They're a little bit banged up. And Scott, you let me know if you would be willing to leave these players in your lineup for this upcoming week. Ronald Acuna left Sunday with right pectoral tightness. Yeah, he's not expected to miss any time, so he stays in the lineup. Javier Baez was scratched from Sunday's lineup because of thumb soreness. Yeah, I'd like to have a replacement for him. It's it's hard to find a replacement at shortstop. So, you know, but this is an injury. Like, we were talking about this injury at this time a week ago, and he's still dealing with it. So that's not a good feeling. Cody Bellinger has missed two straight games with hamstring tightness. And on top of that, he's been very bad since he's returned from the I.L. 
<laughs> yeah, he has. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably try to avoid Bellinger too. Uh, Aaron Judge sat Sunday with back spasms. Another one, kind of like Degrom, where he's anytime you see something kind of on the radar here for for Aaron Judge, it it, it sets off sets off a light bulb, Scott. So, what do you think about Judge? Uh, I think I saw that he should have been available to come off the bench. Yeah, they were playing in an NL park to pinch hit. He didn't actually pinch hit, which. You know, it was it was a lopsided loss, so mm-hmm. I guess there was no reason for him to. I'm leaning towards starting Judge, though. Uh, Max Scherzer left Friday's start with groin inflammation. Would you start him against the Pirates this week? Obviously, a pretty good matchup yeah, there. Yeah, he's supposed to be fine. I'd start Scherzer. Uh, Byron Buxton will travel with the Twins on their upcoming road trip to Seattle, though we don't know exactly when he's going to be activated. What do you think about Buxton, Scott? Got to get him active. All right. Mitch Hanniger was removed Sunday after fouling a ball off of his knee. X-rays revealed a deep bone bone bruise. So glass half full there, Scott. It's nothing major, but maybe he sits out a day or two. Bone bruises can sometimes be an issue. I remember Carlos Beltran missed a long time with one back when he played for the Mets. You know, hopefully he can avoid an IL stint. I think there's enough of a chance he goes on the IL, though, that I'd, I'd look to sit Hanniger if it's a shallow enough league that I can. Mm-hmm. And then Jonathan Scope was scratched Sunday with hand soreness. So he, he's been a popular ad. He's hot right now, but I don't think he's someone that you have to keep in your lineup if, if there's any doubt about playing time for him. Michael Pineda left Sunday's start with right forearm tightness. He's likely to miss at least one start. D.D. Gregorius will not be activated on Monday. He experienced some stiffness in his injured right elbow. During his rehab assignment, Jake Odorizzi will follow Lance McCullers in Tuesday's game against the Rangers, but is expected to remain in a six-man starting rotation thereafter. Ryan Weathers will return to the bullpen for the Padres, and they do not appear to be assigning another pitcher to the rotation, so they will shift from a six-man to a traditional five-man rotation. Max Kepler and Luke Voigt began rehab assignments on Sunday for their respective teams. Tyrone Taylor was placed on the IL with a strained right shoulder. And some prospect updates from the weekend. Jared Kelnick had a sock and a shoe. That's a home run and a stolen base on Saturday, so... Keep yeah. doing keep doing stuff like that, and hopefully we can see you back in the majors there, Jared Kelnick. And Cardinals third base prospect Nolan Gorman had at least five home runs over the weekend. <laughs> I, did, I didn't check at his least. box score on Sunday. It might have been more. But, stopped counting. <laughs> yeah, five home runs. He is currently at AA, and he's been playing second base this season in the minors Ooh, as well, so he's betting. That's true. I forgot about that. Yep. And I when I looked earlier this week, Nolan Gorman, like his problem, he had the all-or-nothing... Uh, Joey Gallo thing going on with home runs and strikeouts. Uh, but his strikeout rate is way down this year and he's still hitting for power. So Nolan Gorman becoming more and more interesting as a prospect. Yeah. Especially if he's going to play middle infield could potentially be a huge power bat there. So uh, he is currently at double a, maybe we see him at triple a before long last year's first overall pick for the Tigers. Spencer Torkelson has been promoted to double a, he was batting, 311 with five home runs, 27 RBI, and three steals at high A. And uh, Nat's starting pitching prospect and first-round pick from 2020, Cade Cavalli, pitched seven no-hit innings with 15 strikeouts at high A over the weekend. He now has three straight double-digit strikeout games. So, similar to Spencer Torkelson, maybe it's it won't be long before Cade Cavalli gets promoted to double A. Some of the most added hitters from the weekend, Scott, and no surprise, a lot of these are names that were part of your sleeper hitter column, but they included Patrick Wisdom, Miguel Andujar, Eric Haas, Justin Upton, Jonathan Scope, Jonathan India with the Reds, Ahmed Rosario, Ryan Mountcastle, and Max Stassi, who continues to crush it. Catcher with the Los Angeles Angels. Scott, let's say you had to choose your three favorites from this list most added hitters from the weekend, who would they be? Well, Upton's actually the only one on my top 10 sleeper hitters list for the upcoming week. Okay. But he has been really, really good in June and up to 14 homers now for the season. So probably needs to be rostered in all leagues, still available in about a third of them. Uh, second favorite, I would say is Stassi. Everybody needs a catcher who can hit and he seems to have picked up where he left off last year after a lot of er- injuries early this year. My third favorite is actually Jonathan India, who 
wasn't especially productive this past week, but I know since about mid-May, he's really turned his season around. He's back to batting leadoff for the the Reds. Let me see if I can pull up the numbers here real quick for Jonathan India, see if they still look good after kind of a quiet week. So in his past 27 games heading into Sunday, where I think he had a hit and a walk, uh, 287 batting average, four home runs, three steals, an 881 OB- OPS, 410 on base percentage. Uh, yeah, Jonathan India, I think, is back to being a viable fantasy option. So I'm leaving Scope out. And Scope didn't play Sunday because I forget what it was. It seemed like I'm, I think he got hit on the wrist or something the day before. It sounded like a day to day thing. But yeah, but yeah I'm, I'm, uh, I think if you haven't gotten anything out of Scope the past couple weeks, you probably probably too late to jump aboard now because I think he was just hot and I think he's going to cool off and when scope cools off there's not much more there specifically for Jonathan India it's great lineup context too not that overall it's not a great lineup but it's a good ballpark to hit in obviously great American ballpark in Cincinnati and with Jesse Winker Nick Castellanos now Joey Votto's back he's looked all right Eugenio Suarez uh, those guys behind India, he should be able to score a lot of runs. And you read off the the OBP, he has got a good eye at the plate. So, yeah, I think regardless of format, too, even in a points league, you should get some volume there and uh, a pretty decent walk rate. These were not on the most added list, Scott, but they were two names that caught my eye over the weekend. And if you need a middle infielder, I think in a 12-team Roto League or deeper, that's probably where you're going to be looking at these two names. Uh, Taylor Walls went three for four with his third stolen base on Sunday. He's batting 308 with a homer and two seals over the last seven days. He has a 15% walk rate on the season, albeit with a 25% strikeout rate. He's 11% rostered. And JP Crawford, who I've mentioned a few times, but uh, he went three for five on Sunday. He's now batting 356 with two homers and a steal over his last 15 games. He's 25% rostered. He has seven games at home this week. JP Crawford again. 9% walk rate and 18% strikeout rate on the season, Scott. So if you needed a middle infielder, who do you like more between Walls and Crawford? Um, They're very similar. I don't think either has much power. They can both run a little and uh, get on base a bit. I, I think Walls may be a little better at both of those, getting on base and running. So I'll say Walls, but not super high on either. The most dropped hitters from the weekend, Jared Kelnick, down to 73% rostered. And last week, Scott, remind me, you said you would try to hold on to Kelnick if you could. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would. I think he's still be, he would still be my top minor leaguer to stash, even though the first didn't, didn't go well. Uh, Scott, let me know if there if you have an issue with dropping any of these other hitters. Nick Solak is now batting 186 in 39 games since the start of May. David Peralta with the Diamondbacks has slowed down. He's had a few like just massive games, but outside of that, not a lot of consistency. Nate Lowe, his last 15 games, is betting 167 with one homer. A lot of Texas Rangers on this list. Willie Calhoun has not hit a home run since May 17th in 23 games since. He's betting 206. Yermin Mercedes, 37 games since May 1st. He's betting 211 with a 579 OPS. And then Alex Kirilov, who was banged up a little bit over the weekend. He did return, and I reminded everyone that his StatCast numbers, his expected numbers for Kirloff, are actually really good. So he's probably the one that stands out most, Scott, where I would try my best to hold on to Kirloff and Kelnick, but how about everyone else on of this group? I think they're all droppable. Like, I, I don't know that I'd stress that much about dropping any of them. Certainly in a roto league, they're going to be harder to drop just because you have more hitter spots to fill, and, and so you may be less likely to drop them. I mean, you know you know the caliber of hitter that's available on your waiver wire, and if you know all of these players are obviously better than that, then you should try to hold on to them. But a head-to-head lineup, 12 teams are shallower. I think they're all right on the fringes. I think the easiest to drop would probably be your mean Mercedes and, and Will, Willie Calhoun and David Peralta. The two Rangers, Solak and Lowe. I, I, I might be more inclined to hold on to them, but yeah, I, I think they're all droppable. 
The most added starting pitchers from the weekend, Tucker Davidson, who is a two-star pitcher, as is Austin Gomber and Vladimir Gutierrez. They are both on this list. Sam Long, someone we spoke about, made his Major League debut for the San Francisco Giants last week. Scott, did you see if he's remaining in the rotation? Because I was trying to look it up, and I couldn't find anything anywhere about it. Well, he didn't actually start the last time. Yeah, he, he was, was a bulk he, reliever, yep. Yeah, he followed followed an opener. I, I have him in my two-star pitcher list. I'm not sure he'll technically start, but that I don't think he's pitched since then, so that, that looks like his turn, whether he's starting or not. Uh, you know, I, I need to see a lot more than just that one appearance to, uh, to, to use him in fantasy. I do have Tucker Davidson, Austin Gomber, Vladimir Gutierrez on my top 10 sleeper pitchers for this upcoming week. All of them are kind of there because I have to find 10. I'm not sure I really want to use any of them. But Davidson, I might uh, I might be the most inclined to pick up just because if his first start is against the Red Sox. And if he continues this run he's been on, you know, first three starts have been promising, obviously. If he turns in another one against the Red Sox, you know, there, there may be no looking back at this at that point. So hey. it... It's not a bad idea to pick him up, even if you don't want to use him. Yep, and he does have some prospect pedigree, too. So he was pitching very well at AAA for the Atlanta Braves and so far has pitched pretty well in the majors. He just has to keep those walks down. That's been the uh, the biggest issue for him at times. The other two names on this list, Tarek Skubal, who we talk about quite a bit, and Ryan Yarbrough, who turned in another pretty good start over the weekend. Six innings, three hits, two runs. Uh, zero earned, actually. Zero walks to six strikeouts. And he's now allowed just two earned runs over his last two starts. He's 60% rostered, and he's at the White Sox this week, Scott. Any interest in starting Yarbrough in that spot? That's not a priority. Yeah. Uh, but he has, he's been useful of late. I think the last time I talked about him on here, I don't know, maybe you and Chris had a conversation after, uh, since this, but I was saying, yeah, look, he only goes like four innings most starts. Well, Four out of his past five have been quality starts, meaning he, he's gone six innings or more and uh, obviously limited the damage as well. So, I, I mean, Yarbrough is always going to be vulnerable to getting knocked around because he's not a big strikeout artist or anything, but his overall numbers have been usable. This is, what, the third year in a row that's been true? Maybe the fourth year in a row? Um, yeah, he's he's been usable for a while now. All right. These are not the most added starting pitchers, but they are available on waiver wires, and they were pretty good this weekend, so let's talk about it. Waiver wire starting pitchers part one. Wayne Miley was up against the Rockies. Seven innings, three runs, two of those were earned, only three strikeouts. The ERA is down to 2.92 on the season for Miley. He's 66% rostered. James Caprillion versus the Royals. Six shutout, two hits, four walks, seven strikeouts. He has a 2.51 ERA, but that comes with a 4.88 XFIP for James Caprillion. Brady Singer was at the Oakland A's. He turned in a quality start with seven strikeouts, six innings, three runs, and he was opposed by Cole Irvin, who also turned in a quality start, six innings, two runs with four strikeouts, Scott. So between uh, that group of four, Wade Miley, James Caprillion, Brady Singer, and Cole Irvin. Who's your favorite of that group? My favorite is Caprillion. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one I'd want to roster most. Still, I'm not uh, I'm not sure I know what Caprillion is yet, but only one bad start so far. So yeah. uh, the strikeout rate's been pretty good. The XERA is 361. Singer, Irvin, Miley, I think, I think they're going to remain pretty fringy. Caprillion has a chance to be more. All right, and he is 58% rostered. He is at the Yankees this week, which based on his walk rate, Scott, and the fact that he has been a little bit lucky with home run suppression, I don't know that I want to start him there at the Yankees, Mm -hmm. although I guess it is a revenge game by definition. He's former Yankee prospect. Uh, So I like holding on to him. He is a spark, but don't really love that matchup for him going up against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Waiver Wire starting pitchers part two. Joe Ross at the Giants this weekend. Eight shutout with nine strikeouts. Patrick Sandoval was at the Diamondbacks. Six innings, two runs, four strikeouts. And entering Sunday, he had a 17.8% swinging strike rate, which is amazing. 
It's really, really good for Patrick Sandoval. Uh, Carlos Martinez yeah. and Zach Davies opposed each other on Sunday Night Baseball. They both turned in quality starts. So, Scott, between Joe Ross, Patrick Sandoval, Carlos Martinez, and Zach Davies, who is your favorite? Oh, Sandoval's pretty interesting. He's kept the walks down. Obviously, the, the swinging strike rate was so high because he's coming off that 32 swinging strike effort <laughs> last time out. He only had 13 swinging strikes in this one, but 10 were on the changeup, which is a really good pitch, it seems like. Yeah, I think uh, I think Jose Quintana comes back at some point. Sandoval would be the most obvious man out. I, I don't know. Maybe Quintana doesn't deserve a spot in the rotation again. I don't know. We'll see how Sandoval's pitching at that point. But that changeup is really good. If he can keep the walks down, then... Uh, then he may be, uh, Angels may be onto something with him. And if you are really desperate for a start, a good matchup this week, he is going up against the Detroit Tigers, Patrick Sandoval, and they are 29th in weighted on base average versus left-handed pitching this season. He's only 8% rostered, so widely available. Again, the name there, Patrick Sandoval. Scott, in deeper leagues, let me know if you like any of these names. Eric Fetty, Colby Allard, Tony Santian who is a prospect for the Reds. He made his debut on Sunday. Uh, Joey Lucchese, five innings, one run, six strikeouts. And Zach Thompson, who went five shutout with six strikeouts for the Miami Marlins. He was going up against the Braves this weekend. So Fetty, Allard, Santillan, Lucchese, and Zach Thompson. Anything? I did actually put in a very small bid on Colby Allard in one of my 15-team leagues this weekend. Uh, he's he's kind of interesting. Former prospect in the Braves organization. He went five shutout innings on Saturday. He gave up two earned runs in five innings last time. Overall, he has a 292, or, I'm sorry, a 291 ERA, a 112 whip, more than a strikeout per inning. And uh, he's one of those pitchers whose velocity has been concerning at times, like it would drop into that sub-90 range at times. But it's been it's been up over 91 this year, uh, which might be enough for Colby Allard to be to remain useful. So, you know, mostly worked in as like the as as kind of a piggyback guy. So none of his outings have been very long, but he's beginning to stand out a little among the Rangers' starting options. Yeah, he's worked as a reliever and as a starter this year, and the numbers are pretty strong so far for Colby Allard. 2.91 ERA, 1.12 whip. That comes with a 3.57 xFIP, 9.8K per nine, and a 2.4 walk per nine. So pretty solid numbers there so far. For Colby Allard, he is only 6% rostered up against the Twins this week, which is not the best matchup for a left-handed pitcher. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to highlight some of the Notable hitting standouts from the weekend. We'll do that next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right, so the Blue Jays are awesome as they have been all season, and they will continue to be because they, oh, I wrote this down, they rank 7th in baseball. They're averaging 4.9 runs per game, and their 765 OPS as a team is 2nd in baseball. This is without George Springer. This is crazy. They have a really, really good offense, and they exploded for 18 runs, 20 hits, Eight of those were home runs on Sunday, which included a double dong for Teoscar Hernandez. He is batting 294 with 10 home runs. Bo Bichette went four for five with his 13th home run of the season. And 
Last but not least, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. went three for five with his major league leading 21st home run of the season, three straight games with a homer. Scott, Vlad Jr. is on pace for 50 home runs over <laughs> 150 games. He is batting 344 with an 1137 OPS. Yeah, so we do like a little round table every uh, every Sunday night, a column for the site. We we five questions are we each Chris, you and I answer five questions. And one of the questions last week was who is the number one player in fantasy right now. And uh I think we all said Acuna, right? But I think Guerrero's in that discussion. I think uh I think the breakthrough has been has been that decisive. And uh, you know, obviously he doesn't steal bases the way Acuna does, but in terms of just pure bats, he's probably the one I'd probably put him number one right now if there were if steals weren't uh steals weren't a question. Yeah. The best four category contributor in fantasy baseball this season, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And it's not particularly close. Uh Matt by, Olson. The, by the way, you know who's looked good for the Blue Jays since coming off the IL? Who? Is Kevin Biggio. Okay. He had back to back games this weekend with multiple hits, a home run, and a double. And it kind of makes you wonder how much that that backslash neck was bothering him early in the year. Yeah, definitely worth paying attention to. He is 90% rostered. He's only 49% started, so you might want to get him back in your lineup, especially with how well the Blue Jays are playing. Uh, Matt Olson had a double dong on Sunday, and he is batting. He's having a phenomenal season. 289 batting average with 18 home runs, and specifically against lefties. He's batting 274. He's got a 990 OPS. Eight of his 18 home runs have come against lefties. Again, this is Matt Olson we're talking about. His strikeout rate is a career best 17%. So I don't know if that's, he's going to. That's the thing. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to keep that up, Scott, because 31% last year, he usually ranges in like the mid to high 20s. Uh, but how often he's making contact this year has completely elevated his game. Yeah, 17% is about as good as you'll find from a first baseman, right? Um, I mean, I guess Yuli Gurriel would be lower than that. Probably in the same range as like Anthony Rizzo, right? That's that's like a low strikeout rate, and for for a guy who may well lead the majors in homers, he's you know three behind Guerrero right now. But you know, I've talked about him in the past as as I think one of the the clearest or the or the the best bets to have like a forty homer season, if not more. So we don't really have any reason to question the power. If, if I, I don't know where all this contact came from, but but yeah, it's been going on a long time now. We're we're not quite to the halfway point of the season. We got a couple weeks to go, but it's it's something to take seriously for sure. And Scott, as soon as we say it's okay to drop Matt Chapman. I put it as the subject of the podcast on Friday. You could drop Matt Chapman, okay? He goes out. But I had a hard time saying that, if, yeah, if you'll no. recall. Yeah, you did. And uh, he had seven hits with two home runs over the weekend. So maybe you hold on a little bit longer and see what happens maybe, with, uh, with Matt Chapman. Uh, Michael Brantley went four for five with three doubles and four RBI on Sunday. He That was his second four-hit game of the weekend. Fernando Tatis added two more home runs. One on Saturday, one on Sunday. Of course, he didn't homer in the game that I went to. It's pretty hard to homer off to Grom, obviously. Uh, but Fernando Tatis is now up to 19 home runs and 13 steals. Uh, Francisco Lindor went two for four on Sunday. He's now batting 310 with three homers over his last 15 games. So, all right, all right. We're, the wheels are starting to turn here for Francisco Lindor. Uh, Kyle Schwar- Schwarber had a double dong and now has... 12 homers on the season. He's 73% rostered uh, and has seven games this week. At least three of those will come against lefties, so keep that in mind. Gary Sanchez hit his eighth home run of the season on Saturday and is now batting 300 with three homers over his last 15 games. So, Did, did you mention Brantley in here? I, yes. Michael Brantley going four for five. Uh, I wanted to point out, this This blew my mind. This could have been my oh my goodness gracious. Mike, Michael Brantley, according to StatCast, so... This isn't according to StatCast, but his actual batting average for the year, it's about, it's a little shy of 340, I think. According to StatCast, Michael Brantley's expected batting average coming into this four-hit game was 360. Now, 
the thing about stats like expected batting average is they're supposed to kind of take outliers and and bring them back toward the center. They're, they're, they're supposed to normalize numbers that are outlandish way out in the, you know, just in, 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 in just, just numbers that are doing the things that happens in baseball sometimes where they're just totally out of sight and unbelievable. But the expected batting average for Michael Brantley says 360. That, that's amazing. That is uh, ridiculous. That is number one in baseball. Well, of course. How could it not be? Yeah. Um, you know, normally he has a line drive rate in the 22 to 25% range. Michael Brantley's line drive rate this year is about 32%. Sheesh. So I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. Uh, I don't know if he can sustain that, but I don't know. I certainly find it interesting. Obviously, we think of him as a good source of batting average anyway, but this is he's going above and beyond this year. Yeah, for sure. Nice little note there on Michael Brantley. This is the hardest he has ever hit the ball in the StackCast era, at least in terms of average exit velocity, 91.1 miles per hour. Same thing for hard hit rate. And he also has a 540 X-slug. And entering Sunday, he... Now, this is actually after Sunday. 497 was his actual slugging percentage. So, StatCast thinks Michael Brantley is going to get even better, a potential buy high, if other people <laughs> in your league are not realizing how good Michael Brantley has been and how much better he could potentially get. So, go go get him. Go get him on your team. Scott, what do we do with these guys in fantasy baseball? Some starting pitchers here. We'll start off with Blake Snell at the Mets. On Friday, four-plus innings, three earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts. The ERA, 4.97. The whip is 1.47. He's going up against the Reds this week, and they are second in weighted on base average versus left-handed pitching. Uh, I will point out that Snell has a 1.65 ERA at home this year and an ERA over nine on the road. This week's start uh, is at home, so I don't know if that makes you feel any better, Scott. Start, sit, drop. Blake Snell, what are we doing? I'm at the point with Blake Snell where unless it's just an amazing matchup or a two-start week, I would probably try to sit him. And what I mean by that is, you know, it depends how good the rest of your pitching staff is. And I, I wouldn't pick up some scrub to start over him, but I would like to think I have more quality pitching options that I don't have to take a chance on him having one of these... Uh, four inning starts where he has a 180 whip, which seems to be what the majority of his starts are these days. You know, he's had a couple of really, really good ones recently, but in between it's been more of that nonsense. That's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I, I wouldn't drop him. It's, it's kind of similar to Luis Castillo basically all season where if I drafted him, I would just be too stubborn to drop Blake Snell. And no, I, I don't think there's, I don't think you should drop him. Yeah. Well, should you drop Charlie Morton, Scott? Because he has also just been kind of mad all season. And the underlying numbers look better. And I, I keep waiting for him to be yeah. more consistent. But four innings, four runs, four walks against the Miami Marlins. He has just four quality starts in 13 tries this season. A 4.50 ERA. Would you start or sit or drop Charlie Morton this week? He's going up against the Cardinals at home. Like I said with Snell, I'd probably try not to start him. Mm-hmm. I would not. I have not given any thought to dropping Morton this year. It's been one of the more difficult pitchers to figure out because, yeah, the underlying numbers look great. feel like he should be getting better results, but they're just not coming. This next one, Aaron Savale, and it's interesting because his teammate, Shane Bieber, goes out and struggles against the Marlins, uh, and against the same offense, Aaron Savale pitched eight shutout this weekend, one hit, one walk, with 11 strikeouts. 15 swinging strikes on 101 pitches. It was the first double-digit strikeout game of Aaron Savali's career. He threw a season-high 25 curveballs and a season-low two sliders. So what I wanted to ask you here, Scott, I think we can continue to start him. I'll look up who he's going up against this week. But I'm a little bit more hesitant to sell Aaron Savali after this game, specifically for this pitch mix change where he threw his curveballs much more than a slider. And... His slider is not a very good pitch, so what do you think about maybe holding Savale now? Don't don't try and trade him? Depends how much pitching you have. But yeah, I'd, I'd need to have a pretty stacked 
pitching staff to really entertain the idea of trading Savale. I, I think he's more likely to get worse than better than from here. The ERA, the whip, they're more likely to go up than down. He's still, even after the 11 strikeout game, 7.1K per nine. But, you know, I think, uh, I think he'll remain a fine option for you. And I'm kind of reluctant to sell any pitcher right now because I don't really know what's going to happen to the world of starting pitching after this... Another dramatic change has been introduced here. Savale is at home against the Baltimore Orioles this week, so pretty confident putting him in my lineup. And what about Jose Urquidy, who was at the Twins this weekend? Seven innings, three runs, eight strikeouts to one walk, 21 swinging swinging strikes in this start, which was a career high. And Urquidy now has a 16% swinging strike rate in three starts since returning from the IL, Scott is this a buy-high situation for Jose Arquiti? I don't know. I'm, I am I don't really see how anything's different for him. I, I have noticed that the swinging strikes have been up dramatically so in this latest start, but really in all three starts since returning from the IL. I don't know that I'm ready to believe he's like a drastically different pitcher because of that. Chris Paddock was awesome on Sunday against the Mets. Six innings, two runs, nine strikeouts to zero walks, 19 swinging strikes, on 84 pitches, his most in a start since September 11th of 2019. Ten of those came on the fastball, which averaged a season-high 95.9 miles per hour for Chris Paddock. Scott, would you start or sit him this week going up against the Cincinnati Reds, an offense that is second in weighted weighted on-base average against right-handed pitching? I'd lean towards sitting Paddock also. I'd be more likely to start him than Morton. Probably Papatic on about the same level as Snell. But yeah, this was encouraging. This was encouraging. Um, and his spin rate, because, you know, we've talked about that before, the spin rate, uh, really going back a while now, we saw it tick up on the fastball. And he's performed much better than since then. Four of his past five starts have been quality starts. Uh, it, his spin rate hasn't dropped dramatically. It dropped a little in this start, but not in a way that would really raise, would not in a way that would raise the old eyebrow, just normal start-to-start fluctuation there with the spin rate. So Paddock definitely seems to be trending the right direction. I stopped short of saying he's must-start now. Well, Scott, I would ask you what you would, what do you want to do with Herman Marquez, but I know that you dropped him into a few of your leagues already, and he was great entering this weekend. His last six starts, 1.89 ERA, 1.05 whip, 13% swinging strike rate. Everyone looks good. Everything looks good yeah. for Herman Marquez. At the yeah. Reds, five innings, 12 hits, nine runs. He's still 84% rostered. I... <laughs> I, I I can't it even say it wasn't even at home. It wasn't a home exactly. start. What in the world? I, I can't even say like pick and choose your spots with Marquez because he That's goes on this stretch where he looks really good and then he just gets blown up and completely yeah, so annihilates your ERA and your WHIP. It's because I was having some remorse, obviously dropping him in, in some pretty deep leagues, and then he went on that great that great stretch. It made me thought I'd made a huge mistake, but my my thinking at the time of dropping him, because even then it wasn't so like he had had a couple of bad starts on the road, so it's like oh if I'm not even going to be able to trust him on the road, what's the point? Um, but yeah, as good as those four starts were prior to this awful start Saturday, you well, know, still a three nineteen ERA for that five start stretch, but you had to start him for all five to get the benefit of that which maybe you didn't. Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit here, Scott. So, oh, come on. <laughs> the couches. It's the couches messing with they're, they're uh, blocking the with your connection. Blocking the, the yeah. I don't know how, but somehow. <laughs> Stud performances at starting pitcher from Friday in particular. Anthony Descafani was at the Washington Nationals. He pitched a shutout, complete game. With eight strikeouts to one walk, Lucas Giolito has been very good again over his last five starts. The walks are way down, which has been the biggest key for Lucas Giolito as we get Scotty Dubs back in here, Scott. I was just highlighting some of the stud uh, pitching performances from Friday. I mentioned Di Scalfani, Giolito, Brandon Woodruff, who turned in another quality start. He has 11 quality starts on the season. That is tied for first in baseball. 
And Clayton Kershaw had a great start against the Rangers. Six innings, one run, nine strikeouts. Scott, anything you would like to highlight for Dave Scalfani? First of all, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Am I breaking up still? No, you're good. You're back. I'm back. Back, baby. Back and better than ever. What are we talking about? Oh, Woodruff um, and other good starters. Let's see. Anything notable from these fine performers Friday? Just the Friday guys? Yeah, we're going to hit Saturday and Sunday right after this. No, not not really. No. Just... Just guys doing their thing. All righty. And those stud starting pitchers from Saturday and Sunday. Yusei Kikuchi, seven shutout against Cleveland. Aaron Nola, nice bounce back against the Yankees. Seven and two-thirds shutout with nine strikeouts. Robbie Ray continues to be awesome. Ten strikeouts. Quality start against the Red, Sto- uh, the Red Sox. Carlos Rodon had a no-hitter into the seventh inning against the Tigers. He finished seven innings, one run. Nine strikeouts. Framber Valdez at the Twins. Seven innings, two runs, only two strikeouts. But he has a 75% ground ball rate through his first four starts. And Walker Bueller with a fine start. Six shutout with five strikeouts. The ERA is down to 2.38. Scott Kikuchi, Nola, Robbie Ray, Rodon, Framber Valdez, and Bueller. Anything you'd like to add on these, gents? Yeah, a little more I could say here. I mean, with Kikuchi, it's kind of amazing Still, he's available in about a quarter of all CBS sports leagues. People need to get on the bandwagon there if they're not already. Past eight starts for Yusei Kikuchi, 270 ERA, 0.9 whip, 9.9K per nine, and a 15.1% swinging strike rate that would rank 11th among qualifiers ahead of Garrett Cole if Kikuchi had been doing that all year. But that's an eight-start stretch that he's been doing it, so... That's enough for me. I don't know what more you need to see out there, you people. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, can I talk about Carlos Rodon? Yes, you can talk about Carlos Rodon. Gosh, Carlos <laughs> Rodon. So, yeah. So this near no-hitter and the actual no-hitter, the only two starts where he's gone seven innings or more. So that's worth pointing out. But, man, his his number, like, I don't know if you've stopped and looked at, at his numbers recently. He's at a 189 ERA and 0.84 whip for the season, 13.1 K per nine. Just so good. So good. I don't know. That's all I had to say about that. Is he the breakout MVP of starting pitchers this season? I mean, based on where he was drafted or just added as a waiver wire, I think he probably has to be number one, right? He might be, yeah. Yeah. He might be. Carlos Rodon has been ridiculous. Uh, The call to the pen, Scott. We will wrap up here with some bullpen updates. And uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays on Friday, Pete Fairbanks had his second save of the season. Diego Castillo pitched on Tuesday and Wednesday, so maybe they were just giving Castillo a day off. Uh, And then on Saturday, Fairbanks pitched in the eighth, and Diego Castillo was used in the ninth, and he picked up his 11th save of the season. For the Oakland A's, Jake Diekman on Friday pitched in the eighth to face two, three, and four in the lineup. Lou Trevino recorded four outs from the eighth to the ninth inning. He picked up the win, and then Trevino got his 10th save of the season on, I don't know, it was either Saturday or Sunday, but he has four straight saves for the Oakland A's, which means I'm sure Jake Diekman will get the next one because just when you think you, you know, you don't know. For the Angels on Friday, Rysel Iglesias had his third blown save. He allowed a solo home run to Eduardo Escobar. It's been kind of an inconsistent year for Rysel Iglesias. For Hector Neris on Saturday, picked up his fourth blown save of the season. He gave up a three-run home run to DJ LeMahieu. On Saturday for the Marlins, Rafael Montero was used in the ninth inning with a three-run lead, and he took his sixth blown save uh, for the Marlins on Friday. Yimi Garcia got his 11th save. And then on Saturday, Dylan Floro got his second save of the season. Garcia had pitched the previous two days. And then we had two different closers get three saves this weekend. The old Friday, Saturday, Sunday trick. Uh, Josh Hader is now at 17. And Craig Kimbrell is now at 18 saves. Edwin Diaz picked up two saves this weekend. He's now at 12. Brad Hand got his 11th save. Liam Hendricks got his 17th. Lucas Sims on Sunday pitched in the 8th and the ninth inning in a 6-2 to game. So if it had been a save situation, I'm sure 
they still would have used him the same exact way. And then for the Braves, Will Smith got his 12th save of the season. Scott, let's wrap up with some to stream or not to stream for Monday. JT Brubaker at the Nationals. Marco Gonzalez versus the Twins. Dylan Bundy at the Oakland A's. Austin Gomber versus the Padres. Vladimir Gutierrez at the Brewers. And Matthew Boyd at the Royals. Well, the obvious answer here is Matthew Boyd. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I think I was cutting out there for a second. But yeah, Boyd. And then, uh, you know, if you have to go with somebody else, maybe uh, um, hmm, maybe Marco Gonzalez. I don't know. That's a left-hander against the Twins. I don't know. And uh, uh, let's say Vladimir Gutierrez at Milwaukee. That's a pretty good matchup. And for Tuesday, to stream or not to stream, Andrew Heaney at the Oakland A's, Shane McClanahan at the White Sox, Mike Miner at the Tigers, Tyler Anderson at the Nationals, Jordan Montgomery at the Blue Jays, and Jay Happ at the Mariners. So I would say Mike Miner at Detroit. He's been great lately, and that's a bad offense. Pretty easy. Pretty easy call there. Um... Let's go Heaney at Oakland and Montgomery at the Blue Jays. Those are riskier, but potentially rewarding. All right. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.